This week's episode is just brought to you, you know, and I don't think you really want to question how. Now it's our turn to, uh, sorry for the words, but put our balls on the table. How do you like that, man, folks, Gilmore? And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph Alice, that's a little bit loud still. And you're locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for November 9th, 2015. Coming up on the show, we're going to run down the roller coaster of a week your Avalanche just had, and we're going to talk goaltending, and we're going to talk San Antonio, but before we play the Wush and get to any of that, let's meet the disembodied voices of the week. He's been a stranger for far too long. Welcome back, finally, to Mike at MHH. Hey, Mike. Hola, mi amigos. Joining us again is MHH's foremost cycling F1 and AHL expert, Earl 6 How are you? Howdy. And once again, he is BSN Avalanche. Hello to AJ. Hi to you, sir. Hi to you. And with us completely out of intro to play, let's just cut it down and head straight to the whoosh. On Tuesday, the Avalanche opened up the week with a 6-3 drubbing of the Calgary Flames. They even outshot Calgary 42-25, although they did block 30 shots to get there. Matt Duchesne scored a pair, Jerome McGinley scored a pair, including the empty netter, Nathan McKinnon scored, and Eric Johnson even scored shorthanded. Three assists on the night for Tyson Berry. The Avalanche basically did everything they needed to do in this one and were rewarded on the board for it, you know, for once. Varlamov picks up a much-needed win despite still only managing a save percentage of 880. On Thursday, Colorado traveled to Arizona and played just a painful game to watch, falling 4-2 to the Coyotes. Matt Duchesne and Cody McLeod, your scorers. 889, Varley's save percentage. Maybe you're seeing a theme here. And it wasn't even an ex-Av curse like you might have expected. Arizona scratched Stephen Elliott. Lucky, too. Or it might have been 8-2. The main issue with watching this game was Colorado kind of losing composure in the second by my eye. is marked especially by Nathan McKinnon taking a pair of consecutive frustration penalties in the final five minutes of the second. Um, which, I was glad that it wasn't Landeskog this time, but still, it happened. Well, it's not refreshing just because it's a different dude, though. <laughs> <laughs> the dude has like 16 minutes of just minors, so if it's if he's not doing it, then I'll take a small victory. That's true. <laughs> Finally, on Friday, the Avs returned home to face a rested New York Rangers squad who were waiting for them with Red O'Bara in net against Henrik Lundqvist and played a really good game against them because, of course, they did. They did lose in the end, though, 2-1 your final, the only tally being a highlight reeler from Nathan McKinnon on the power play in the first. At the end of the day, a ridiculous bounce off the inside of Bear's blocker that seeing eyed its way into the net was the difference. So, good in a win, bad in a loss, and good in a close loss to a team in a situation that should have run them over. Gentlemen, your thoughts. <clears throat> Where do we start? Not it. <laughs> I'll start. Um, let's go back to McKinnon and talk about how he single-handedly killed four minutes of hockey in Arizona. That was just out of character for him. That that drove me nuts when I was watching that game. And it, they never really seemed to shrug it off the third period. They were just kind of felt like they were going through the motions. And I don't know, that felt phoned in the second second and third of that game. I know that had no flow, but that didn't seem to be a good excuse. I would agree with that, and that's why that game was so hard to watch from my eye. Yeah, those were tough. Um, I don't know. You get, you get people saying that you know the sort of the precursor to breaking out is is playing well in close games and, and just losing. 
but I'm I'm still not really getting that feeling. I'm I'm enjoying you know watching them play better, but I'm I'm not all that hopeful for the trip coming up. <clears throat> we'll we'll get to that a little bit later, obviously. Um, so why don't we go ahead and mention that um, in the game on Friday, Alex Tangay took a pretty rough knee shot. Um, and I have not actually seen the stat. Oof! I've not actually seen the status on his uh, on his injury because I'm not going to click that article. <laughs> so what's what's the status on his injury? God, he's out for a, a while. Indefinite. Um, we'll I mean, have I more clarification tomorrow. Purposes. Okay. But they haven't done anything roster wise because of that, right? I haven't missed something. No, they've done nothing. Rampage played in an hour and a half. I would assume after that game, someone's going up. I, if I were them, I would wait until the three-game weekend was over for sure. Yeah, I mean, they're already missing Street with the abs and Agazina with a shoulder and Cleesh and with a shoulder. So they're, you know... They're on the cusp of needing ECHLers to play for them, so it'd, it'd be nice to at least keep the the three, three and three intact. Right. So, who do you think comes up to head east? I'm guessing Borna. Yeah. Yeah, which is probably a waste of a trip and a ticket. Honestly, <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty whatever to me. Him. You call him up and you know that he's going to get six minutes, seven minutes of ice time. You're like, okay. The biggest Another downside day. is that you know Cody McLeod is going to be getting 10 to 12 minutes now instead of the six or seven that he's excelled in so far this season. Right. <laughs> Total. Go back six to getting and, crushed. Let's, let's specify it's the six to seven minutes in aggregate total this season that he's excelled at. <laughs> the main issue there... Is uh, I mean, it's, it's not that Tangay has just been lighting the world on fire. It really is that we're going to have to be playing guys over their heads again. Again. <laughs> Hooray. For a while. <clears throat> For a while, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the troubling part of this. It's, it's not like, you know, I, I would assume that Mitchell's going to be back. They said Philadelphia. Maybe it's a little bit longer than that, but, you know, that's on the horizon, but... You know, it doesn't sound like Tangay is going to be back, you know, any time in the foreseeable future. So, I mean, that's just everybody who's a little bit over their heads already playing a little bit more over their heads. Yeah. I mean, Mitchell was out um, skating yesterday. He was flying around doing all of the things that he needs to do. But he was still wearing his no-contact jersey. So we'll see tomorrow morning um, if there's been any kind of development there and hopefully I won't be the only fucking person to show up again so that we can actually have coach availability. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if smooth Johnny's back sometime on the East coast, are they just going to tread water with a call up like Rendelick and, and then Malkin's going to be up there in the top six because Tangay's not. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that that seems likely. Either that or just kind of a revolving cast of whoever happens to be going on a given night. On Duchesne's wing. Uh, yeah, be, well, maybe. Maybe. Who knows at this point? There's been there's been so much line blundering over the last couple of games that 
you know. And that's not a complaint. I've I've enjoyed it. I think I think it's pushed Wad to to put his, the be, his best line combinations that he's had all season. I mean, so. do you think that that long term that's really helping though? I mean, do you think that having different lines every night is better than you know maybe trying to stick with one for two or three games? And, and oh no, no. But I like that Wad's desperate for a goal, and he's like, yeah. okay, fuck it. We're gonna play Duchesne, McKinnon, Landeskog, and that line dominated. Yeah, it did. Like long stretches of time, they dominated the Rangers, and it's like the Rangers. They in the third absolutely period on the second night of a back to back, and they laid the wood. And yeah. so it's like, okay, this needs to just happen. Well, Who why cares? Isn't that, why isn't that the fucking power play unit number one then? Why is Duchesne getting the scrap heap thirty <laughs> seconds at the end of a power play? Because reasons. <laughs> well, what would the second unit look like without Deshane? Who cares? The Who first unit would have scored. Who gives a shit if they scored in the first 45 seconds? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or just I mean, play a whole two minutes. Just don't let them off the ice. I'm down. You sold me. Yeah. Yeah, then they got three shifts to catch their breath. Good to, good to go. <clears throat> good to go. There you go. Solved all of our problems just like that, boys. It's a good day. Just play the people. Just play Duchesne on PP1 and play him for two minutes. Got him. Hey, the, the more time Landis Gog's out on the power play, he's at the other end of the ice, not tipping goals in on Varlamov and not taking dumbass penalties. <clears throat> There's a lot of upside to this. I wish I had a rebuttal. <laughs> How about he could be taking offensive zone penalties, which we all love? That's Cody McLeod's thing. Yeah. That well, that yeah that that was everybody's thing on uh, on Friday. Soderberg got one. Uh, I think didn't Como get one too? Probably. Well, what McKinnon's technically? Well, that was neutral zone. <clears throat> the second one was. That was Thursday. Or Thursday, sorry. That's why I was gonna go. Yeah, this team has a weird tendency to. Just take a random offensive zone penalty trailing in the third. I don't understand it. Yeah, they have a tendency to do a lot of stupid shit. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say they crumble because that's they, sort of projecting, but it, it, they, it, they, they kind do. of do. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, so this is actually this is actually something I was going to talk to Lannis Gog about tomorrow. So, spoiler alert. Um but no, like Duchesne, after the Calgary win last week, was standing right there talking to a bunch of us reporters and was like, hey, you know, we're we, we're still scarred from opening night. You know, we're still we're still trying to figure out the mental part of the game. Patrick Walk called the team fragile. Like mental fortitude is an increasingly important story about this team moving forward. It's not so much what's going on on the ice as it is. What's going on upstairs when those guys, you know, they have their lapses. They have, and it's, it's, you can, if there's ever a time to hit the book it button, it's, it's in a third period of a game. You know that something is going to happen. You just know that they're going to crumble just, even if it's just for those couple of minutes or in the case of the Rangers game, you're talking like a minute and a half, they fell apart and it cost them the game. It's, it's becoming like the biggest issue with them outside of their defensive issues, their shitty possession, the blah, 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 blah. They can't, they can't handle the adversity of the game. Well, how do you fix that? 
that's what I would love to know. And that's why I was like, hey, I'm going to go talk to the captain and be like, you're a primary culprit of a lot of the stupid shit that goes on. How do you correct this? Because he's got to be the guy. He's got to be the guy that turns it around. And he's been a ghost the last couple games. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of those arguments that we always have dismissed the last few years. Uh, pop psychology, you know, you don't you don't know what what's going on in their heads. Okay, now the team is saying it. Yeah, right. You've had you've had Patrick Waugh and Matt Duchesne have both said it, and so it's like, uh, okay. It's like, all right, now we've got the evidence to go on. Now let's break this down and be like, hey, look, when something goes wrong, the whole team throws their head in the air and says, oh boy, here we go how, again. Yeah, how to correct. I mean, the, I mean, they always say one of the best mental qualities a good athlete has is having a short memory. I mean, but but how do you impose that on you know team members saying, "Hey, just you know, walk it off. It's just another goal or two. I mean, we can just go out there and play great now." Um, yeah, I mean, that's I I don't know. I just don't I'm with you. Don't know how you fix that. <laughs> that's my biggest issue with with what I've seen with this team so far this year is. I don't know how to fix that. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, the system is broken. The defensive coach is terrible. And there's this and there's that. And I'm like, yeah, well, bad goaltending really, really makes it easy to point the blame elsewhere. You know, a couple of years ago, great goaltending got Patrick Waugh, Jack Adams, and now bad goaltending is trying to get him fired. You know, did he did he legitimately get worse in those couple of years? Is is it really coaching, or is it just that the starting goaltender has an 890 save percentage and the team's goal differential is like, it's like, what, like negative seven right now? So, you know, I just, I just, I just feel like bad goaltending is really, is, is your biggest culprit for, for a lot of the issues going on right now. Not to say that there's, you know, an enormous, oh, it's negative six. Fuck me, negative six. Not to say that there's a, a ton of, you know, a ton of positive things going on around the team, but it's just like, like a negative six goal differential, dude, you're going to be, you're going to be competitive throughout the season. If you hang in that area, you may not be a playoff team, but like, look at look around the league. There are some like Calgary's at negative 22. Columbus is negative 19. Toronto's negative 16. And everybody's like, oh, Patrick was the worst fucking coach on the planet. He doesn't know what he's doing. Patrick was this and Patrick was that. And it's like, you know. They're real. They're not getting blown out every night, and that's even with pretty bad goaltending. Goaltending gets to even average. So will the Avs. And I gotta believe that's common. Honestly, I mean, we, you know, we touched on it in the open about, you know, the problems that they've been having and watching, going back and watching through the first half dozen games or so. I got a couple notes on Varley, and it was. He's fighting screens that I don't think he fought a whole lot last year. I think for the problems we had on the blue line last year, guys were getting out of the way. And this year, he's seems like he's fighting a lot of guys wearing the same color jersey him a lot more often than he has been in the past. Not that that's an excuse, because he hasn't handled it well. And then going back, I talked about it a couple times on the site, and it was – his stick discipline through seven or eight games was brutal. Like every time he butterfly, his stick was coming up, um, especially if he was moving side to side while executing. And it was he was giving up a lot of five hole goals. And again, that to me is a sign of he's not seeing the puck, 
or he's seeing things and just reacting because it's not what he expected to see. Or so I, I think there's a little bit of this system, such as it is. He's he's taken longer to figure it out than I would have thought was possible. But uh, at the same time, his technique and his execution has been sloppy out of the game this year too. And I agree with AJ. It's been shitty. I mean, it has been. There have been nights where I just you know huh what the, how did that get through kind of thing and then there's nights where i felt like he was playing a pretty good varley game and man they just you know captain luck just took a shit on him and every bounce went against him uh the arizona game being one of those where he did everything he could do and he got just you know pucks hit landis stick that were going wide of the net now they're getting directed in uh weird bounces on screens in front Ben Street taking him out I mean <laughs> there was there was no position issue there or save selection issue there he picked up that puck late through a screen made a good save tried to move it and then Street's got him in the back of the net I, that's just terrible luck I, I don't know how you shake that off um, or maybe he maybe that's part of the problem maybe this mental issue is soaked all the way down into the crease there was something, I think it was Justin Bourne that said this about a week, week and a half ago or so that I think really felt familiar. Um, it was like when, when you're a struggling team and you start the game strong and things are going well and then you can't get the save, it's one of the toughest things to shake off. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, Earl, Earl touched on it. The short memory thing, I mean, that is a mental conditioning error or mental conditioning trait that you got to have. And it, I got to believe that by the time a goalie gets to the NHL, nine out of 10 of them have figured that out. But if it's now become a team wide culture that they're mentally weak, they're someone, and no one's more qualified than Patrick Waugh, for fuck's sake, killing these guys. You got to play it two minutes at a time, five minutes at a time, and just erase everything that happened before, good or bad, and just you got to have that short memory. And I got a feeling. That, you know, when guys like Duchesne are still remembering shit from five games ago, how he didn't score. And, you know, that that's why he's so streaky is because he just beats himself up mentally. And then you've got the captain who loses his shit and then continues to lose his shit during a game. You know, it starts being one of those things where, guys, you got to get your heads out of your own ass or you're it becomes self-perpetuating pretty damn quick. Yeah, I mean, it, they're going to start expecting to have problems in the third period because they're weak mentally. And once you start down that spiral, that's really tough to pull out of. Great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. you know, it, the way to think is at any time you are 10 seconds away from scoring a goal. I mean, that that's literally true. And, you know, how, how you just sort of get back into that thinking you know, the way you were when you were a squirt or a peewee, when you're just thinking, like, if my skates hit the ice, we can go score a goal and nothing's wrong. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know what external pressures other than winning games are on these guys, but, you know, they they just need to start focusing better and and thinking less. But doesn't it, doesn't it surprise anybody? I mean, it surprises me that a, a Patrick Waugh coach team is mentally weak. 
I mean, yes he, no. he made a career out of being one of the most money goaltenders and most, you know, high-pressure situations being not only a guy who played well but excelled top-of-the-game level. And for some reason, he's got a crew of 20 guys that he sees every day, and they're all waiting for the other shoe to drop every time the clock rolls over to the third period. How do you transfer that, though? Like, I mean, and, and, and how many times have you seen all-time great players get into positions of coaching where they're unable to they're unable to take one of the best attributes of them as a player and transfer it to the coaching. Like, how does Patrick Wall be like, look, I did it my whole career. Why can't you guys just do that? If I'm sure more than anything, that's got to be frustrating for him because he's like, all I've ever known is how to do this. Right. And he's and got, was... he's got a guy like Duchesne who just can't get out of his own head. Right. And I, I mean, I, that's an extremely perfect question and I don't have an answer. It's the same conversation that we had back when Gretzky was running the coyotes and they were like, how do you coach natural ability? Yeah. You don't. And this maybe is one of Patrick Waugh's biggest, you know, uh, character traits is, is this mental capacity that he's got. And he hasn't been able to pass it along to a team. I, you know, I'd kind of like to think that a team would take on the persona of its coach to some extent, like they did the first year he was behind the bench. But if anything, they're 180 from him. And, I, and maybe it's a communication problem he can't articulate what needs to happen there because it's something that's just, it's always been natural or in his wheelhouse. Well, the first year, everything fell perfectly. Yeah. Right. I mean, you, you get the measure of this mental thing when, when things aren't going well, when you see how teams respond and recover when the, the puck bounces hard off, harder off the pad than Barley's expecting and Ben Street takes him out into the net. That's when you see where a team's toughness is at, not when everybody's shooting like it's team-wide 10%. But that, that, that's honestly the Colorado need a stretch where things roll right, and this happens for everybody. It will happen this season. It may happen immediately. It may not, but it happens to everyone where you have a few games in a row where everything goes really, really well, just magically. <laughs> and that's what they need to build on. Is, they, is when that happens, that's when they can build on it. Doing it in the middle of the funk is not easy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, AJ and I were talking about this on Twitter the other day. I mean, 1-6-1 one, and one in one-goal games. Huge. You just can't even try to do that. I mean... No, I agree. That's just... I mean, that's that's some luck there. Even if, you know, even if they get back to 500 in that capacity, you know, you're, you're going to build some confidence off that. And that's what they really need. <laughs> well, one-goal games are a little bit more... <clears throat> a little bit more repeatable than they get credit for um at least in regulation and they've only gone to overtime what once yeah they lost a game in which they gave up 19 shots on goal yeah like that's almost unfathomable yeah both that they gave up just 19 shots on goal in a game that went into an overtime and that they lost it yeah that we had <laughs> the, the extra three on three time and we still ended up with only 19 shots on goal <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a while back, but that was that was a thing. Um, so anyway, I think that we've said all there is to say about that. Um, but it really it really does cover quite a bit of what's been going on, especially over the last you know couple of weeks, where it's just 
we are getting to the kind of that obligatory kind of feeling territory. Like, all right, here's obligatory goal number two. That means obligatory goal number three is coming, and then we're gonna take a penalty in the offensive zone. Like, yeah, it's absolutely. It's, it's like avalanche bingo. It's like <laughs> it really is. You, you just check these boxes. You know, I mean, my my fellow Oklahoman knows about the uh, severe weather bingo that we play in Oklahoma, and it's the same thing. You know, oh, when they start dropping the terms, mm-hmm. and and the mm-hmm. severe weather tie comes out. Yeah, and, Mike Morgan's goddamn sparkly red ties. Yeah, then you know that's, you know, you know what you're in for. You're on that. You're the train on that track. There's only one way that's going to go, and it's the yep. way the ads are playing these days with. They're, it's like they're working to a script. Yep. A really shitty B-movie script. <laughs> <laughs> What's the severe weather equivalent of a delay of game penalty when you're on the PK? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> In Oklahoma, uh, probably fracking-induced earthquakes. <laughs> During a tornado. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about Nathan McKinnon because he is leading the team with 15 points in 11 games and that's a pretty big number. Um, he has been just like, just making it happen. Um, especially in the last couple of, couple of games with, uh, with, with that goal he scored last night, we're just just kind of like, well, I'm just going to go here, and you're in the white. Sorry, I'm going to go around you, and now this is in the net. Sorry. It was that gorgeous. Was, that was that was something. So, it was Dan Girardi that he turnstiled, too. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't nobody. I know it kind of, I mean, it, I felt bad for, of all people, Eric Johnson, because Eric Johnson had the goal of the week effort up until that point. The shorty? <laughs> No, the no, the, and I'll oh, just do yeah. this my fucking self then. Yeah, against Arizona. <laughs> oh, right, right. McLeod ended up getting the actual goal, but EJ did like 99.9% of the work. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, McKinnon's look fabulous. I mean, just the speed and the strength he has now. I mean, you're just... <laughs> love watching him. He's there. <clears throat> Yeah, and and right now his line has been uh, not exactly a McKinnon favored line because they're spending a lot of time in their own zone until you know Friday night when Patrick Waugh decides. Well, let's try and do Shane and McKinnon for a while, and they just uh, just dominate the top New York pairing. So does that reinforce the Duchesne has had shitty wingers narrative, or does it reinforce the Duchesne has chemistry problems narrative? With and he can only play with elite plus. players. I mean, there's. We can't obviously put all our eggs in that basket every every night. Why not? It goes back to the conversation we had about who's the second line. Then who cares? You think <laughs> you think Dallas gives a shit? Nah, that's true. You got a point. Yeah, I mean, not everybody can be Pittsburgh and then say, "Well, if Crosby can't play with Kessel, then maybe Malkin can." I mean, not everybody has that luxury. I just, I just think this is one of those times where they, they tried it out. It went exceedingly well against a really good team. And it's like, you know what? Maybe they should just keep trying to roll with this. I get that you're trying to create balance and, you know, you're trying to make yourself tougher to play against. But it's like, dude, just get out of your own way and just see what happens. Put your best players with your best players and stop trying to be cute with it. Just see what happens. 
yeah, I mean, you start doing that early and you start getting two goal leads in the first period, you know, good things are going to happen. Yeah. yeah, you start tilting that ice a little bit. You start you start taking it to the other team. You stop worrying about when your team melts down if you're up three nothing. You know, you stop. Okay, you know, Go ahead you can ship that puck out of the defensive zone. It doesn't matter. We're up three nothing. Mm-hmm. Right, like, I don't know. I just, for me, I'm just like, look, that should have been a light bulb right there. Like, we should be seeing more of that moving forward. Not just when the team needs a goal. The team always needs a goal. Play them. Play all of them together. Put the big guns together and just roll. I'm on board with that because it is really fun to watch. <clears throat> well, and, I mean, they were they were downright dominant. Against a really good team, like again, like that, it was against the Rangers, in the in the context of the situation that it happened in. You know, the second night of the back to back against a rested team that had been in Denver for a couple of days. Like, the Rangers were waiting, and they were pretty fortunate to walk out of there with a clean two points in in regulation. Well, you know? I wouldn't call those clean. That I mean, goal they... was a fucking gift. I I have <laughs> never seen that goal. <laughs> yeah, Reto Barra was pretty mystified by it too with his if my blocker isn't there, that puck goes wide comment. <laughs> it was it was actually moving away from the net when yeah. his fucking blocker. Well that's what that's he was like he was like I, I don't know what to do there. He was like I if 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 it hits if if my blocker wasn't there, that puck goes wide. He's like I, I need to seal off that side, but that's never happened to me before. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, there was, yeah. I mean, there were wacky goals like that scored across the league on Friday night. I mean, I think that was the same night that uh, D- Detroit played Toronto, and somebody scored in the last minute, like off of the butt end of the goalie's stick or something. I mean, it was nice. it was wacky goal night. But yeah, I mean, it's they got Lundqvist. Could happens. Yeah. Um. Well, Lundy played out of his mind. Yeah, too, yeah he was, he was awesome. Period. He was he was Hall of Fame level Lundy last night. Uh, yeah, not last night in that game in the third period. I, I keep wanting to say just, last night too. I don't. I I do too. I don't know why, but he was unreal. He was he was Lundquist. Yeah, he was. <laughs> I mean, just I mean, when you talk about a goalie and how, the way he's, the, his style and the way he plays and. Elevates his game at the appropriate time and all that yada yada cliche bullshit. He was all of those condensed into one period uh, Friday night. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm really hoping that the team can take the, uh, you know, the we really deserve better than we got mentality to heart after that game. And, uh, and build on it as a head east because there was definitely a lot of good to take from it. It was definitely interesting after that game to watch how many like how many fans were upset that the team didn't seem angrier about it, like that they weren't the team didn't seem really pissed off that they lost that game. Like, and I was like, they that was probably, in my opinion, probably one of their best games of the season, like against a quality opponent in a tough situation, and they they showed very well, and. I was kind of I was kind of surprised that people were 
People were so like, and it wasn't even just fans. There were some of the guys in the media who were like, the players don't even really seem to be that bothered by it. Like, I mean, yeah, it was it was kind of a somber attitude, but considering, you know, when you when you compare it to like the Minnesota game or the Columbus game, they were pretty, you know, they were pretty upbeat. Because they were like, hey, you know what? We played a good game and it sucks to lose that one, but we feel, you know, we definitely felt that we our process was great that game. And I felt really bad for Red Bear because he played awesome and awful luck, dude. Yeah, and Skype starting to kind of do its crunchy thing again. It's been a little bit crunchy off and on as we've gone on, but Red, o- Red Obera definitely, um, definitely built up enough capital in that game to forgive the the random blocker bounce. I mean, well, I mean, even the first goal. Yeah. Like, how often do you see a shot go over the net and then bounce? directly in front of it where there just happens to be no defender in position for that because who plans for that? Who plays for something like that? <laughs> like, And then, I mean, all credit, Zuccarello makes a great pass, and then I think it was Stepan that got that goal, and he just, you know, he he just tosses it into the empty net. Like, that's that's a great play. That's credit there. That's not bad luck, but that the puck ended up there. Like, oh, you know, guy, I think it was McDonough, takes a the ridiculous slap shot that's like three feet over the net, you know, not even close. And it just bounces, takes a crazy bounce right out over the, over the goal, like in front of, in front of the net where there's no defenseman in a great position to handle that shit because that doesn't happen. And neither does the second goal. It doesn't happen either. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that was so what? 16 seconds apart. 21 seconds. 21. Poopy. <laughs> 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 it was just poopy. But I didn't feel like the team did any massive folding after that either. I felt like they, I mean, the, the game stayed pretty stable on the same sort of path it was on until the third when New York was just like, all right, time to shell up and let yeah. Henrik do his thing. And, yeah. and for once, Colorado said, all right, well, we're going to shoot from everywhere then. Yeah. And, uh, that was kind of what they did against Calgary as well, was they just kind of shot from everywhere. And it paid off. It's almost like that's what they need to be doing. <laughs> that's so... just crazy talk. Everyone knows you score goals by passing around the perimeter until the goalie gets nauseous, <laughs> and then you take a shot. <laughs> Hopefully no, he's too busy puking to see it. That's just old-time hockey. I mean, that's just <clears throat> Guy Lafleur. That's how you score, guys. I'm sorry. Too true. All right. Um, then this weekend we've seen um, our, our new friend Zadorov has been relegated to the AHL to San Antonio. I don't right. think anybody here is going to try to say that was the wrong move, right? I don't think so. So you're going to go with Zadorov. That's your pronunciation. I just want to make sure we don't overlap. Uh, you, you I'm going to say go, whatever you... I'm going to go with Zadorov. All right. <laughs> Earl, what about you? I go with Zadorov. I, I I think we like pronouncing the second to last syllable with the stress. Okay. <laughs> it is a lot of stress. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to figure out these Russian pronunciations keeps me awake at night. <laughs> there's there's an abundance of consonants in that language. It's like they got six or seven they don't really need. Well, they do have 33 letters in their alphabet. I know. That Thanks for nerding that up, Earl. Jeez. <laughs> that is unnecessary. 
Only 31 are pronounced, though. Oh, look, I can read a book. I'm Earl. <laughs> I used to speak Russian, Mike, okay? <laughs> hey, how's this for a waste of, a, of credit hours of college? My brother actually took four years of Russian. He's now a practicing lawyer in South Mississippi. How often do you think he gets to use that? <laughs> Pretty often, I imagine. Yeah, probably, probably twice a day. <laughs> I took can... four years of Russian, and uh, I'm a remodeler in Asheville, North Carolina. I don't use it much either. I bet you guys yeah. could call anybody anything you want at any time and get away with it. Like, come <laughs> on. Zubnaya <laughs> Shichotka. I think that... I think that Russia needs to take all of its extra vowel or extra consonants, and give them to... Um, to the Icelandic, because they need them. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the Icelandic language, all right? It's perfect for a perfect country <laughs> in a perfect paradise. How dare you, sir? Okay, how about the Welsh? That works, Okay, that's, that works. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> Done. No argument. <laughs> so Zador off to San Antonio. He didn't play last night because, as they discovered... San Antonio isn't very close to Denver. Well, they're yeah. in Austin, and he didn't yeah. make it there for pregame skate. So it turns out that when Zadorov is still wandering around the Pepsi Center like a lost puppy after the Rangers game, technically filed the paperwork to send him down. It turns out getting to Austin's not quite as easy. Like flights from Denver to that area, just not as abundant. You'd think that they would have known that ahead of time instead of just being like, oh, yeah, Nikito, you can wander around the ice just randomly, hang out in the Pepsi Center, just do whatever you want to do. Like, no, dude, get his ass down there and let him play. If you guys, that's what you're going to do, just fucking let him go. At least they didn't put him on a Greyhound or anything. <laughs> that would have been brutal. <laughs> get there tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With all the drugs. Yeah. All the drugs. <laughs> nice. So, AJ, you know the defense pretty good down there. Who do you think he's going to pair up with? Um, uh, I don't know, man. That's... It depends, it depends on who they want to take out of the lineup. You know, they've been playing... Um, Lobbery over over Gertzen, which is weird to me. Yeah, that's that's not good. But so I mean, I do you do you, do you take do you push down the guys that have been playing well? Like, do you do you put him in Siemens' spot? You know, kind of in that that secondary role. They said he's going to be playing a lot in all situations, and I mean that kind of sounds like Bigra's role. Yeah, but then I mean Bigra's like. He's like Avalanche organizational pet, you know? Like, he's like the favorite from yeah. from the Avs organization. Like, they adore him. He's the popular kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's 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 QB1, yo. They may adore him, but they don't Zador him. Oh, jeez. Oh, fuck you. Call over. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, what I'd like to see is I'd like to see him on the right side, and, and follow me with this, 
I'd like to see Redmond sit because he's still a nightmare in the defensive zone. <laughs> um, I'd like to see him paired up with Gerritsen on the third pair, and those guys will get pretty sheltered minutes like, like Gerritsen and, and Redmond have been getting. And just start them off there. Um, that lets Zadarov, you know, get used to the right side. And if he excels there, he can come up and take Gennon or Stewart off of the third pairing on the Az, which I think would be a, a big bonus. Um, <clears throat> and that way you can leave Gerritsen, Siemens, and, and Bigra alone in their accustomed spots as well. None of them lose playing time. I think that's a big win for everybody. Well, you think we'll get a usage problem or an issue with him playing third-line minutes or third-pair minutes in the A? I mean, we got all that bad blood from Buffalo where, you know, he didn't feel like he was getting used enough. And then, well, did, do they, they do we worry about that? The third pair doesn't play as diminished minutes as a third pair in the NHL, let's say. Right. Right. They want all three of those pairs playing, you know, a lot. I mean, Bigger and Clark play, uh, you know, they play the most out of all three pairs, but uh, I mean, all three pairs get a lot of time. So I, I don't think it's that big of a problem, especially if it's just a start. Um, but, I, I mean, I'd like to see either him or one of the, the other three left-handed prospects shift over to right so they don't lose any PT. And so somebody could take Matt Clark's spot because that guy fucking sucks. <laughs> I don't, you know, he, he does some things that are are kind of questionable, but he's still. Are you his agent? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd still rather have him on the ice than Redmond. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Redmond blew it the other. I, he, he blew it Friday night so bad in front of the goal. I mean, he you know that game they had it won, and boom! Oh, there's a guy behind me. Oh, it's tied with 50 seconds left. Oh my bad. Sorry, Cal. <laughs> <laughs> Yolo, am I right, buddy? <laughs> By his stake, bud. Yeah. <laughs> That was that was the forty-five save, Pickard performance last night, right? No, that was actually Friday night against the uh, Chicago. They they lost in overtime, but they had oh, okay. a three-two lead going into the yeah. final minute. Zach Redman pooped the bed a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I won't put but, it on him. I mean, we'll it's bad too. You know, everybody Matt poops. Clark still, Matt Clark still sucks. But He's look. First. Last night, that was Calvin Pickard, 45 saves, Miko Rantanen, four points. Oh, yeah. Every yeah. single goal he was a part of. Joey Hishin had three points. Finally. <laughs> he was great. I mean, you know, he's been just sort of listless all season, but he was feisty. I mean, you know, he got his first even strength point of the, the season, he got his first goal this season. Um, in the middle of the third period, he got a, he took a slashing penalty and said the magic word to the ref and got thrown out of the game. <laughs> and I mean, you know, that, that sounds bad, but I, you know, I wrote this in my recap. It's good to see that from him because he's just not been engaged that much this year. And, and to just to see him, you know, just being feisty Haitian is good, you know? And I mean, 
with with street up at, with the avalanche they really need that from him and it, it's good to see that come out it's good to see the old give a shit start to show up again yeah the old give shit oh <laughs> <laughs> well, but miko's been playing fantastic um his he's point really, totals are a little deceiving, though, because he's scoring a bunch against AHL goaltenders who are kind of, speaking of pooping the bed. Yeah, but, I mean, both his goals last night were howlers. I mean, the goalie... Right. Was just, <laughs> exactly. Like, but, like, I mean, hard work went into them, and, you know, if you take his career in the AHL to this point as a whole, he, he is deserving of having three goals. So maybe not those three goals, but... Um, uh, all of them have basically just been, you know, cue the cue the yakety sacks, and you're like, all right, this is unimpressive goaltending. Yeah, <laughs> all three goals have been howlers, but, um, but he is just fun to watch. I mean, he loves to not give the puck away. <laughs> I mean, he is very protective of the puck, and it's just really refreshing to see for a forward down there. Um. And he, he's, you know, he's starting to get his defensive swerve on, and which is yeah. kind of he's down there. Um, but it's 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 nice to see him being able to use all his talents now. He's 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 into the system. He knows the guys now, and he's comfortable down there. So I, I think he's going to start taking off. You think if Tangay's out for an extended period of time, they yo-yo him back up, or is he down for a while? I don't. I don't think that's the right call because they're looking for a fourth liner. You know, I don't think they're going to take someone from down there and put him in the top six. And I don't think he could, you know, go to the top six, and and be that effective anyway. Um, I'd, See, I'd rather. I don't know. I I think in in a certain role he might be able to do pretty well, but the the alternate alternative is that we're going to throw the Avalanche are going to throw like Cody McLeod or John Mitchell up there, which you know is going to go poorly. Right. Well, let's 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 go to an alternate dimension for a second and talk about Waugh's, the light bulb going on, like AJ said, and he's going to put his three big horses on a line together and just dare someone to shut him down. Second line, I'm assuming you got the Dread Pirate center in that line with who on his wings? Who's left? Iggy and who? Well, at this point, John Mitchell. I mean, right. assuming he's healthy. Right. Assuming, let's assume in this dimension, John Mitchell's back as well. So that's your second line. I don't know of a lot of people who are quaking in their boots, and I know a lot of lines around the league are going, yeah, match me up against those guys. That's fine. I mean, the, the, Avalanche, the Avalanche top line should be dominant <coughs> enough that right. it, should, it should push the pace. And the Avalanche fourth line, as currently constructed, has been really solid. And the Mikhail Grigorenko third line has been surprisingly stout defensively. Yeah. So if, if it takes if it takes a little bit of a a little bit of YOLO time on that that second line, I'm okay with. It. I can live with that because I like the matchups that the other lines all present. Okay. So if we're so, we're gonna pursue the logic that we don't want to touch the bottom six way they're constructed now because they're playing well and we're gonna put all our eggs in the basket in the top line. We'll just have to live with what we've got in the second. Bingo. Okay. 
that's that's how I'm that's how I would prefer they approach it. Just because you know what happens when you take those bottom six guys and you overextend them, they lose their effectiveness. And yeah. so it's like, why why would you tinker with a bottom six that is an effective bottom six, but is not going to be an effective top six? It just feels like you're going to make an ineffective like bottom nine at that point. Right. Yep. And so it's so it's kind of just like why. Why not just live with the one line where you're just kind of like, well, this is, you know, this may not be ideal. This this may not be kind of where what we wanted. This isn't going to be real impressive. These guys aren't going to be great. But if all the other lines are successful, then it's just like, look, you know. And honestly, that's what Dean's been doing most of the year in San Antonio. He basically had Hishin floating around on the second with Borna doing whatever he does. And Martinson <laughs> is... He's okay, but he's still learning the North American game. But the third line was good, the fourth line was good, and Street and Agazino were fantastic. So everything else was working, the second wasn't great, and it worked out fine. Speaking of Agazino, do you, how long is he out for? The weekend. Um, he's, he's got a shoulder problem, they don't know, but, you know, he might. he's going to be out tonight. Maybe he'll be out Wednesday, but I hope to see him next weekend for sure. And Klish has a, a shoulder issue too. Yeah. All I've all I've been able to see is uh he was out he was out this weekend and then, you know, we'll go from there. Yeah. Out well, with thing. Going back to the earlier topic about uh Zadorov and the minutes that he's gonna get, if is there a big enough disconnect between what Dean's rolling around with from a system standpoint? San Antonio versus whatever the fuck Ferris is trying to implement in Colorado, that it does it matter, especially if they're spreading the, the minutes out equally in San Antonio. Or is he still? I mean, the whole point of sending him to San Antonio is that he develops. So if he's going to develop in San Antonio, is he developing in the system he needs to be developing in to be effective in Colorado at some point down the road? Um, no, I don't think that Latticer and, and Ferris run the same systems at all. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the rampage block shots like everybody else, but it's not sort of the, that's the not all they do. Yeah. That's not, that's <laughs> not the be all end all to, to yeah. what they're doing. I mean, but the rampage, I mean, they, how many saves did Calvin Pickard have last night? 45. But I mean, it's an outlier. They, they generally get out shot on a, at, you know, by three so far before last night. That's cause they've been winning isn't it. Yeah. <laughs> every game um but it you know th- there's definitely some differences i i honestly think that that's part of the reason that street looks so bad and that everberg looks so bad when he came up is that there is a disconnect between the two systems now um you know i, I don't know exactly what it is i was saying yesterday that the dean system looks a lot like sacco's old system you know Fast forwarded to 2015 with a few tweaks, and that's not what what Patrick's really running. <clears throat> so, I think it's I think a lot of times I see Street and Everberg looking for guys that they think should be someplace and they're not. Um, I don't know whether that's because the system's too free form or whether it's just that the people are supposed to be elsewhere and they forget where they are. I don't know, but. It, it's it's concerning, but they're winning down there. So I mean, they're playing good hockey and they're learning how to play good hockey. 
So I think developmentally, it's actually a good thing. Okay, I'll buy that. Yeah. Better than learning to stare at the puck until he shoots it and then try to get in the way. As far as yeah. I'm concerned. <laughs> you know, pressure the guy, don't screen the goalie. Those are great things to learn. Yep. <laughs> hey, so fun fact, in terms of actual just shots on goal, did you know the Avalanche have actually dropped their, their average from last year to this year by over two shots per game? For or against? Against. Shots on goal, though, not yeah, yeah no, not not yeah. shots at the net or anything. I'm talking about actual just shots that get to the goaltender. Right. They're only giving up. They're they're right in the middle of the, of a huge pack of teams at like thirty point like four or some shit like where there's a there's like ten teams within. This is 2. exactly why Patrick likes Fenway better than Corsi. <laughs> Fenway. Yeah, and you know last year they were like fourth worst with like. 32, almost 33 a game. I was just looking at this a minute ago, and I thought it was kind of interesting for for all the shit that had, that we like to talk about Dave Farish and all the all the systems conversations and blocking shots is not a good thing, and you know shots that are actually getting to the goaltenders right now. I mean they they've done a better job from last year. They've done a better job this year compared to last year of 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 reducing the number of shots that goaltenders are having to stop. I don't know if you want to necessarily say that blocking shots is a bad thing. I mean, if that's your whole plan, then it's not exactly a great thing. And if you're doing it a lot, it's not a great thing. But if the shots are being taken, I mean, it's not necessarily a good or a bad thing. The the ideal is that you get shot suppression. But short of that, I would much rather have blocked shots, which is why I don't view them as, like, the evil that so many have tried to make them out to be lately. But, yeah, obviously, if you have 30 blocked shots in a game – it's not necessarily a good thing. Like, those are 30 shots that you're not taking at the other end. So, yeah, that's a problem. But that's also those are also 30 shots that maybe your goaltender doesn't have to stop. And in a league where, you know, I mean, look at how we've, we've, we've spent this whole podcast talking about the, the margin of error. One, six, and one in one goal games. A negative six goal differential. Like, maybe, maybe you know, you block one or two more shots in those games and the Avalanche are, you know, the record looks a little bit different. So I don't, I don't know how we ended up getting there. I just thought it was an interesting statistic because I was kind of curious to see if, if the perception and, and the reality were matched up. And I understand that the actual shot attempts and their, their Corsi and, you know, their percentages, and I understand that all of that is worse than it was last year, but the number of shots that the goaltenders are actually facing is lower. I'd be interested to see if the shots that are getting through are from different places this year than they were last year. Um, uh, there's a way to look at that. Yeah, um, I know. I'm, I'm, I can't comprehend things like that, so I'll just have to have someone tell me. There, there's a uh, there's a few sites that actually use little maps of where the shots are coming from, and it's you can look it up if you want to. It's not something that I'm overly confident in because NHL scores are um, they do things like put face-offs in between the two circles in, in one of the defensive zones like I don't I don't really want to rely on where the NHL scorers have put a shot yeah I mean over well, the long term it'll give you a decent idea but I mean we're looking at how many games here not very many 11 yeah. 12 12 but, 12. but I'm, I'm really wondering if you know, with 
with the way that 13, the Avalanche 14. are blocking shots this year, and if the shots are getting through from more, you know, centered or direct um, places, you know, and I don't know if it was true that it actually fourteen games. happened that that more outside shots than centered shots happened last year, but um, you know, if if it's you know, I know we hate shot quality, but if there are more quality shots getting through, then that might explain something about Varley not being so well, hot. My big question is uh, a lot of those a lot of those sites that they show um, where they show like where shots are getting taken from, you know, and you have like high danger and low danger and and all those things is are they is there is there any like defensive context to that? Like, are there is there any idea because. If you just put like a little mark on on like an overhead map of of a of of you know of the ice and you see like oh well it's if it's within this area it's a high danger shot but if there's two guys standing in front of it and the shot's not likely to get through is it really a high danger shot? So I guess yeah. I guess my question is when you look at like because I know that there are sites that track that stuff but are they do they do they take that into context do they take that into account? You know where where defensive players are positioned because I honestly I don't know the answer to that. So they don't. Um, that's that's stuff that's not going to happen until they get the tracking chips on the ice. Okay, so I mean, this is this is why all of that data is really just makes me uncomfortable because <clears throat> we just don't have a complete data set to work with. Right. It's it's incremental improvements. It's I mean the the danger chances are better than just the Corsi, which is better than just the shots, which is better than just the goals, you know? Right. I mean, it's just, it's it's baby steps along the way. And when we, when we get tracking chips on the ice, then that's going to really open up, like, everyone's head's going to fucking explode when those chips are on the ice is what I'm trying to get out of here. Well, and this is why, like, we know that that's going to happen. We know that that future is coming for us. And yet, still, like, we're still, like, hardcore pushing certain certain data sets that we know are incomplete that we know are missing context and it's it might be the best that we have but are we really like we're knowingly putting a lot of stock into these things that we know are flawed that we know are incomplete that we know only tell certain parts of a story like and i guess i guess this is my big my big problem with you know the avalanche or anti-stats and this and and you know these all of these numbers say that they're terrible and i Maybe maybe I'm just being a stubborn dick because I trust I trust what I watch. I trust my eyes when I watch hockey games and I just don't see a terrible hockey team in Denver right now. I see a flawed hockey team that hasn't played consistently good hockey to start the season, but I don't see historically bad hockey team like like the possession things that are, that are being made out to to make them look like I understand that it's it's an it's an unobjective look. It's just a data set, and I just don't I just don't see it. And maybe maybe I'm just being that guy who's just like I trust my eyes, watch the games, blah 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 blah. <laughs> I'm I'm open to the idea that maybe I'm just a dipshit, but I don't I don't like putting so much stock into admittedly flawed data sets like this. Oh, I mean, it's they've been better by the by all the underlying metrics as the season has gone on. They haven't been good, but they haven't been falling off the cliff like they were earlier in the year when they were giving up like eighty shot attempts to Anaheim. Yeah, 
But I just I feel like those those might have skewed some of their season numbers like a lot. I mean, you, you can say that they skewed it, but there's still points that happened. You can't throw them out. Well, just sure. By. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying the Anaheim game like didn't happen, but I just think that you know, in the course of the 14 games, that you know, using the Anaheim game as an example, like that that game, that games looked more and more like kind of a a weird anomaly in nine thousand different ways. Yeah, it happens. I mean, last night's game against Texas for the Rampage, you know, they gave up 48 shots and took 21, which, <laughs> you know, that's awful. And um, the running with the herd guys were there, and they tracked it. And the Corsi was sixty nine to twenty eight. Yeah, that's bad. That's an outlier game, though. I mean, they're not really that bad. I mean, they're six zero and three. So. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're telling me they took like three shots that weren't on goal? Uh, seven. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and what? Four of those went in. <laughs> yeah. Sort. I mean, the goalie helped, but yeah. Boy, when things go your way. God, did he ever help? Those goals were bad. Yeah. Who's, <laughs> who's man in the nets for Texas this year? That Max I don't Lexi. know who that guy was. Yeah. Crazy. I man, I went to a Barons game that was against the Texas Stars, and uh, that was when Richard Bachman was there, and yeah. he played twice in that game because they got ten. <laughs> Like, like, by the middle of the third period, we're just sitting there watching this game, like, almost wanting them to stop scoring because it's getting so boring. Well, I think Derek Laxdahl would have pulled him, but um, their backup was, was superstar Jack Johnson, and he had just been called – he'd just gotten down from the stars after being injured. So I don't know if he was ready to put him in or not, so he just stuck with Legacy. Hmm. <clears throat> so Sorry, by the way, I didn't mean to go on like a – that was not an intentional – that's so stupid. That was I mean, not. That was not what I meant. I mean, I know what you mean. Um, I mean, I I know that you've you've been trying to utilize some of this stuff and and get your head around it, but there are still a lot of flaws in it. And ev- like anybody who's using the data will um, be the first to tell you that it is flawed if you ask. Right. And I don't. I don't. I, I don't make the assumption. And obviously, it's an extreme example. But like. He's one of he's one of the more notable stats guys that I follow. But like I see, I watch Birch just like tweet endlessly all day long, and it's and it's always just like, oh, I don't know why coaches are doing this. There's this and there's this and there's this and there's this, and it kind of just blows my fucking mind because I'm like, dude, like these are these are all smart hockey guys that are making like informed decisions, and yeah, they're maybe not using your data set, but you have an admittedly flawed one, one that one that you know we're increasingly finding out is bad at, at monitoring defensemen and, and if I should say va- evaluating defensemen because a lot that goes into it. And stylistically, there's a lot of different things, you know, that, that happen. And I just, I watch that stuff and it just kind of, it's kind of blows my mind because I'm just like, dude, like, yes, you know that this is flawed, but you're also like constantly pounding the table for these things. Like Dan Girardi, Dan Girardi, I don't think is a bad defenseman. I don't think he's like a a great defenseman, but all these numbers, you know, you throw all these numbers out there, and it's just like Dan Girardi's contract makes him look like one of the most overpaid, like worst contracted players in the NHL. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that Birch has a job. I don't know where he gets all this time. I do. 
I I was up at like six o'clock this morning and he was already tweeting and I was just like I'm just turning my phone off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we ready to anyway. look next week? Yeah, my bad. I kind of hijacked this. That was my fault. No, you're fine. Colorado play the next seven on the road. And like six and one, baby. Something like fourteen of the next seventeen on the road, uh, including all three this week, starting on Tuesday, five o'clock Mountain in Philadelphia against the Flyer, who have just had a wonderful defensive season. Um, then on Thursday, the Avs travel up to Boston, five o'clock with the Bruins. Easy. And, and then we cross the border on Saturday for Hockey Night in Canada at the Bell Center, five o'clock with Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens. Easy. Price uh, is still hurt. Easy one. I was going to say, not Price. Did I miss Carey Price getting hurt? Yeah, he Apparently. got hurt a week ago. My poor fantasy <laughs> team is, is, is hurting. Oh, wow. Please come back, Carey. Yeah, now they're eking out wins instead of dominating. Yeah. That explains why they've been playing Tenorti? Mike Con. Yeah. Somebody. Condon. Con- yes, yeah. Condon. Condon. That's the name. That's how much I care about Montreal. You should, because that's a fucking stout team. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's Top a super... to bottom, they are, I mean, with Price in the net, that's a team that's, they're going to kick some ass. I mean, That's a super overrated team. They can lick my paint. <laughs> <laughs> Something happened in the offseason, because, like, for two years, Habs fans have been calling for Tarion's head because the team should be, like, despite the results they've been getting on the back of Carey Price, they've been getting, you know, run over in a lot of ways. But all of a sudden, to start the year... Everything's come together for them. It's all Galchenyuk at center. <laughs> all it took. It's so, true. Anyway, after the Habs, we get who? Toronto. To, to Toronto, yeah. So if you're looking for, um, for again, let it hit, what's his milestone, like 600 goals or something? Yeah, he's that'll got five be, to go. That'll be the game that happens. He's gonna score all five in that game. No, but he'll, he'll get to it. Then. <laughs> Damn it! Possibly, possibly. That was, that was, Let's put it this way. You gave me a lot of hope there. I was real excited. <laughs> Let's put it this way. There's like there's this uh, site in Goal Magazine that uh, obviously I'm I follow, and they do breakdowns of uh, plays. And nine times out of ten, I'd say probably close to like ninety eight times out of ten, it's watch how such and such you know, set his feet and tracked his puck and made this spectacular save or executed this this technique flawlessly, blah, blah, blah. The last couple that I've seen have been like, watch Reimer shit the bed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know where these guys are coming from half the time, but they're rarely, rarely negative. But it seems like their whipping boys this year are both Toronto netminders, and it's just like, watch how he completely misunderstands how to apply the save technique. Well, Bernier's or, been awful. That Bernier's yeah. deserved it. Um, watch how Bernier didn't start the game on time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> watch how Bernier forgets how to strap his pads on. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, I, I've never seen them that negative, I guess. It surprised me. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm saying there's a chance, AJ. There's a chance. Yeah, there's something weird going on with Reimer. Like he would, he'll have a fantastic game, except for one. How on earth did you allow that goal? It makes it's been bizarre up there. 
So, so after Toronto, yeah. they have like I don't know the order, but it's Pittsburgh and Washington, and I think it's, Winnipeg. Yep, Pittsburgh, Washington, Winnipeg. They play every other day, and they're going to win all those games except Washington. Six and one. Yeah, I just decided to steal your six and one, and I figured Washington was the game they would lose. <laughs> six totally, and one totally to arbitrary. Book uh, it. The altitude, the Alta dudes will be fine with that. They'll be happy to watch Ovechkin's hat trick. Nothing has happy. surprised me more this season than the contrast of Peter McNabb in person versus Peter McNabb, the TV personality that I want to strangle. <laughs> That isn't that surprising. Sitting down and talking with him at, at practice, like, he's a really sharp hockey mind, and you can just get into, you can just talk puck with the guy for forever. He's got a million stories, and all he wants to do is just talk hockey all day long. And then you listen to him on a TV broadcast, and you're like, you're so fucking stupid. <laughs> Good time for that, Skype to shit on us. And, yeah. and, like, now that I know the difference, I'm just like, oh my god, dude. Like, Terrible yeah, he's working always for been good on like the long form things on altitude where they just discuss, you know, I don't know, previewing the team or something like that. Um, you know, he, he seems pretty sharp then. I just, you know, I, I don't know. When you're a TV commentator, your mouth just has to run without your brain working for minutes at a time. So it's tough. Yeah. So AJ's picking three and oh, six points. Oh, they're going to smoke Philly. Yeah, yeah, I I would not be a bit surprised to see them run Philly out of their own bar and just like may give up two or three, but they're double it up the other end. See, see I I'm worried because there's fucking Neuver. That would be a game where he stands on his head and uh, he already did that this month. I know that's what I'm saying. <laughs> this, is, this is Colorado. I'm just use that card up. Yeah. Yeah, he played he played that one already. He was like, nope. <laughs> We're we're good. See you guys in December. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna spend the next three weeks playing Olay with the puck. <laughs> <laughs> Who else is in that for Philly? I don't remember. Stevenson. Mason? Maybe. Yes. It's Steve Mason. Good old he's Steve Mason. Who's apparently bad now. Again. Again. I was gonna what say is- now. <laughs> I see. Yeah, I think you got to flip that phrase for him, don't you? Don't you have to say when he's good, he's a good for you know, again for now. Or, he's I mean, apparently he's, good now. There's a lot yeah. more bad than there's good on that resume. So, Boston have, you know, they've they've been pretty average if I if I remember right. Suck. <laughs> Except when they play Colorado. No, they suck. Colorado just pooped that night. Colorado was so bad that night. Oh my god. Yeah, that's that all that was. The worst. That was no deal. So looking for a little bit of revenge there. And yeah, then... I mean they still scored twice on fucking what's his face monster Gustafson. Like, that guy sucks, dude. They 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 dare throw him out there in an NHL game again. They're just gonna, they're just gonna lose. <laughs> fucking Gustafson. He sucks. Gustafson is like. Hilarious goalie to watch because he is the one that will have like spectacular save, spectacular save, spectacular save. Good lord, you let that in every period. What he is is Red O'Bara with a longer career. Uh, <laughs> That's not bad. I like Red O'Bara. 
I'm just going to say that. I'm, I'm not trying to say that the monster is that either, but that that playing style, that radically inconsistent, that is what the knock on Barra was before we got him, and obviously since. But that is that is the way Gustafson has played his whole career. He will play. He will make 31 saves in a 32-shot game, and some of them are just redunculous. But the one he lets in is fucking squirt-level beach ball. <laughs> the, the one he lets in is from the red line. Exactly. <laughs> Yo, Red O'Bear is just going to be radical from here on out. He's the man. Hey, I've got some breaking news here. It looks like bad Andy Martinson was scratched today, so he might be the call-up for Tang's. I hope he is, because I totally would have fucking called that then when I was talking to Cole yesterday. Because he was like, who do you think they call up? And I was like, it's totally going to be Martinson. <clears throat> but smart money, obviously, is on Rendelich, but my heart says Martinson, because Norway rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's both. Maybe they call up a, a Tangair placement, and they call up a forward instead of rolling eight defensemen. Um, it makes a lot of sense. I don't know. I mean... Obviously, Rendelich wasn't very effective, so try Martinson out. I don't know. He hasn't been very spectacular, but he's shown signs of, of sort of getting off the schneid a little bit. Well, we'll see how it goes. Um, I I think four points isn't impossible. Three is probably more likely this week. You mean six? Yeah, well, wait, we know that you've got six. I got six. <laughs> It's happening. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna go on the road and they're just gonna shit all over the east. You will own Centre Bell. It's it's gonna be a trail of of avalanche poop. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We're, I think we're short. Mike's prediction. Um, I'm gonna be. I don't know. Maybe I've been reading too many comments on Mile High, but I'm gonna say zero. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who you been reading them from? It's the usual rabble of bullshit that makes me want to punch my keyboard. <laughs> Dude. I don't know. It's just I, it's just everybody on there's such a Debbie Downer. I'm just like, God damn. <laughs> You've sucked all joy out of this for me. So I don't I'm I shouldn't say zero. That that would only serve to pull the bell curve back to reality from AJ six. So I'll go four. I say they pick up a win in Philly and Boston. And don't handle Montreal well. Crush Toronto. I bet we lose to Winnipeg. I just got a bad feeling. We don't match up well against them for some reason. No, we don't. They're in L.A. to us. I missed one in between. Who was in between? Washington and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. That's going to be the Phil Kessel hat trick. Yeah. And... I don't know. Washington would be the game where they play up to their competition, and it's one of those 3-3 going into overtime weird coin flip games. It feels like the Avalanche have only lost to Washington like once in the last like four years. I know. That's kind of why I'm thinking they got a more than better chance against them than Philly or than Pittsburgh, excuse me. But then again, Pittsburgh just shit the bed in Calgary last night. So Man, I watched that game while I was hanging out at a BSN gathering, and they look awful. Pittsburgh. It wasn't even. It wasn't even. It wasn't even Calgary playing really well. Pittsburgh just looked terrible and lost, confused. I don't know Johnny Hockey there juggling goals in. That was. Yeah, come on. I mean that that's awesome and shit, but come on. Yeah, I know that's full full on bounce and random chance, but it was just like, man, talk about the cool. dagger. <laughs> All right, if you're gonna start saying shit like Johnny Hockey, then I gotta cut us off. I want to say. <laughs> 
<laughs> I wanted to say Johnny Ringette, but I thought that was sexist. <laughs> <laughs> well, whether they get six or zero, you know that you're going to be able to find out next week right here on the Miley Hockey Podcast. Thanks to you guys for joining me today. Thanks for AJ for uh, sticking it out through the in, in, with a really tough pinch over there. Through, through the tough times. <laughs> I handle adversity better than the, than the avalanche right now. Yeah, you're not... Apparently, you're not mentally fragile. Um, so, yeah. Um, you can you can follow the podcast on iTunes. Rate and review and subscribe and all those fancy things. C- check us out on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com. Just Smile hey Hockey Podcast. And MixCloud.com slash Smile hey Hockey Podcast. And you can get the latest abs, news, and updates from MileHighHockey.com. And banter and entire game threads of haiku and whatever silliness feels like coming out that day. And check out BSN Avalanche's work. They've got um, just endless awesomeness over there as well. Um, Twitter.com slash MyHighHockey. Facebook.com slash MyHighHockey. Head up, dirty areas, etc. Outro words. We will see you next week. Man, you are you are poop centric today. You take a probiotic or something? What the hell? I, <laughs> I, 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 we need to we need to finish this podcast because I really have to poop. <laughs> I've been I've been holding it in for the last like half hour. All it started right, well, they, it started with the uh, the advanced stats rant when I was just like it just makes my bowels churn and I'm like all right I gotta go pinch one off. Let's let's get the predictions out of the way. He's prairie dogging it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me laugh. Stay in your zone. <laughs>